It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, we've got a minute and a half of uh, footering and bullshit before the podcast begins. Footering and bullshit? How uh, dare you? Wait a minute, Tim's flagship podcast number 315. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm joined by Melly. Yes. And Stephen. Boy, Sarah, folks. Well, we nearly made it one full calendar year. We nearly made it one day short, Stephen, when we lost to St. Mirren 2 0 at the weekend. What happened? What? <laughs> what a, oh, no easing in this week, is there? No, I, I think that's what people want to know. <laughs> they just want to know what happened. Uh, it was oh God, it was dismal, to be honest. Mm. It was a really terrible performance. It's not the first time this has happened to Celtic. I feel like. The pattern is there where modern Celtic of the last 10 years, maybe even bef- maybe even longer than that, are very consistent, very consistently successful, very consistently a winning, the winningest team mm. in Scottish football. But when it goes off the rails, it's spectacular. And it, is, it wasn't quite a Hearts 4-0, no. this one. But I feel like as, as much as we didn't concede that number of goals, the performance was every bit as kind of woeful as that was. Uh, there was nothing... It was irredeemable. There was mm. nothing good about it. I've since seen it back and I thought, right, are emotions high when you're watching your t- your team lose like that? When you're watching a quite inept performance, is it is it as bad as you make it? In the cold light of day, can you watch it back and, th- and see positives from it? No. no there, there weren't any at all. I'm not getting carried away. I don't think, like, oh, God, we're, we're out of the title race yeah. or anything like that, but it, it was really bad. I sat here a couple of weeks ago after the Rangers game and I said that on this kind of form... Celtic are unstoppable domestically because I'd watched what they did to Rangers and I thought mm. it was going to take some doing to Resistance stop, stop the yeah, I think that's yeah, what we said that was the exact line that was the exact title of the podcast and everything mm. but what I also said that day was that look one of these performances will come along at some point we will turn up to one of these stodgy teams grounds we'll create 12-13 chances and miss all of them mm. and the result won't come our way because shit happens in football but that didn't even happen either. No. Didn't even create any chances to miss them. So a very disappointing day at the races, to be honest with you, for Celtic. One of the things that you hear a lot about people say about their team is, ah, they just didn't turn up. And that sort of encapsulates that Celtic performance at the weekend for me, Melly. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was an Ange Postacoglu performance. It was just lifeless, drab, zero energy. It had none of the hallmarks and style and approach in play, none of the stuff that we've seen from Ange's team, even since day one, I can't remember a flatter performance from the minute Ange walked in the door. I mean, we've had some poor results and we've lost, but it's just, it wasn't even like St Mirren were throwing bodies on the line and 
battling with their lives for that. It was just Celtic were just beat. They were just yeah, kind of yeah. beat when they turned up. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a character yeah. I felt mm. for this team because even we're talking about a year ago since we last lost, we lost the first three three away games of the season and maybe the Livingston ones kind of a wee bit like this. But again, you put that maybe down to this the pitch. But this one, it was just just didn't feel like Celtic. It felt like something was different. It felt just felt a bit off and. Throughout the game, when look when Smirnoff scored, you felt right getting at half time, get the old hair dryer out, all that, make some subs. Nothing really changed yeah. either, anyway. And it was just, it just felt like look, it's one of those games you always hear. Celtic could still be playing and not scoring. That doesn't re- really happen with Celtic, but I genuinely believe that because just nothing went right for us. And to be honest, we didn't make anything go right for ourselves either. It was just so poor. Ange went looking for the hairdryer but found Jota was using it because he came on at half time. <laughs> so you see the neck of him these days. I know we've cut stick for this before, we slagging have. his hair, but I feel like I'm in a good position to do it now that the results aren't coming. I think I, I think the problem is people are slowly coming on board with us on that. People are slowly starting to say, that guy's hair is a bit silly. Um, was it the changes, Stephen? Because how many changes was then up? Six, six. six changes and. We've spoken a lot on this podcast and Celtic fans all over have spoken a lot about the, the strength in this team. This might be the strongest Celtic team that we've had in such a long time. You know, options, two good players for every position. You bring in six, one, that's a lot, a lot of disruption f- for the team. But also, does it sort of make you think, well, maybe on paper, we've got this really strong team, two great players for every position. You can swap players out and not really, the quality doesn't really suffer. But in practicality, a lot of these guys that don't start games are maybe no starting them for a reason. Yeah, I, I don't think it's... Well, of course, that, that level of change causes disruption. Of course it mm-hmm. does. I think that's only natural. But I think that the way you would sort of negotiate with a game like that, if that's in your head that it's going to cause disruption to make as many changes, I suppose the calculations you're making in your mind as a manager going into it is, are the, cal- are the changes going to be so disruptive that we still can't get a result? Mm-hmm. And Ange isn't going to go into a game thinking, well, there's no chance we're going to win because we've made so many changes. It's just that the, the calculations were completely wrong. Did he have too much opinion. faith? Did he have too much faith in the team that he put out then? The changes were numerous and damaging now in hindsight as well because I, I looked at the team I have to admit I looked at the team and thought I'm not really sure about that mm-hmm. because as much as we've been talking about the strength of the squad and that's still valid you know, we've had a bad day here we've had a bad result we've still got good players there but we don't have we don't have like for like replacements for a no. lot of these things so if you for example look at the midfield that they put out against St Mirren it's nothing like what the midfield generally is so if Matt O'Reilly and Rio Hatati are going to play more often than not Putting in Aaron Moy and David Turnbull are nothing like those no. players. So that it's different. It's not just that right, the, if this guy's an 8 out of 10, this guy's a 7 out of 10, maybe he's a 7.5 out of 10 and it will balance out. Mm. They're totally different players. And I'll, I'll just say it, much, much slower, much yeah. more ponderous and far less creative than the players that they replaced. If you stack that up against the two wingers being changed, again, neither of them particularly creative. Abada's been brilliant scoring goals recently. Doesn't create an awful lot. I, I'd actually say that Abada... He, he, he does a lot of things without thinking. He puts his head down, he crosses without looking, mm. he dribbles without looking. So but again, I'm not I'm not really blaming that for the, the result. Maida, poor form recently. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of 
I haven't stopped defending him as much as I have recently because he's just not been very good recently at all. I think form comes into it a lot, doesn't yeah, yeah. it, when, when you're looking at some of these players because, as you say, they're still good players. Aye, but, aye. but there's there's just too much change and reliance on players that are out of form. It, it, Maeda was a strange one to me because, as you picked up on, he's been, he's been out of form. And yeah. if you're going to change six players, why bring out Hatati, Matt O'Reilly and Jota have been brilliant but leave Maeda who's been poor well I'll skip to the end of my point because I'm very aware that I'm I'm kind of breaking down the entire game and we've mm. all got a lot to say on the performance so I'll skip to the end of my point and it, very, it basically is that we have many things that changed in that game and I think you can afford to carry one or two of the things that happened and I include uh, I haven't got to it yet but the centre halves the centre halves are an inferior pairing to what we're used to as well. I think you can carry one or two of those things at a time, but not all of them all mm. happening in one game. And we found that out very brutally. It has to be said, yeah. in brutal fashion, we found that uh, that these things have still to be worked on. But uh, I think, I, I doubt we'll see that level of change again this season. Yeah, I think going into this game, uh, it's just a thing, I kind of try not to put this Celtic team in with Celtic teams of the past mm. because they're not those teams, but... Martin O'Neill's teams had a bad habit of the game before an international break, after a European game, it, Martin O'Neill was a ah, fatigue. He always mentioned that. Lennon done it quite a lot as well. And that sort of gets into players' heads and they drop points. But Ange doesn't do that. But into this game, it just feel, it felt like just need to get this game out of the way and then that's international break. The game was there to be won. Yes, we had a big game against Shakhtar in the midweek, but we hadn't played the previous weekend. Mm. So now in hindsight, those changes look silly. And the changes... It's not so much, I don't think any of the players that came in were bad players. No. I just think there was too many changed and spoke about it towards the end of last season when we were looking at the squad. I wanted another winger because Jota out that team takes up so much creativity and Maeda and Abada, while they're good at they do, they don't create for MD else. So starting those two guys, I don't like doing that anyway. And then when you bring in Turnbull and Moy, fine, both good players. I've said I think Turnbull's good. I think Moy's been playing well recently. But taking out Jota, Hatati and O'Reilly, mm. that's the creativity. That's all the creativity in the team. The other guys are all good, hardworking endeavour, but they've not got that bit of quality. And it's not just those guys as well, because we played games without them last year as well, but we've also lost Tom Rogic and haven't brought in a sort of like for right like replacement not mm. that we need that but it's just another player we had last season that comes out of that team that isn't creating anything because while Celtic had the better players in all positions on the pitch there wasn't any creativity and it just felt like I don't know it was just a slow ponderous game and a lot of players in that are like that there's nobody that can make something out of nothing in there for me I think the, co the contrast between the two games is quite interesting. We're going to talk about the Shakhtar game, but if you look at the Shakhtar game in the whole, right, you look at that and you go, there's not much more the manager could have done because yeah, no. the chances were created and we missed them. That was a good managerial performance. But when you rewind and look at the, or when you fast forward rather and look at the St Mirren game, I'm looking at that going, I think this might be on the manager. I, I yeah. think that I think that this might be on the manager. David Turnbull, another player who's been quite out of form recently. We've already mentioned um, Maeda, quite out of form recently. And you're looking at that going and, the removal of Matt O'Reilly and I mean every game Jota scores or sets one up for someone are you telling me he couldn't have managed another 90 minutes yeah. I think to be fair on the, the Jota and Haksabanovic thing look, it looks like they're going to be the main men going forward but Jota pulled up a cramp towards the end of the game the other mm. night and Haksabanovic had to go off at half time that's fair enough if they couldn't both of them couldn't start the game but you're looking at it going right 
could Jota had 60 minutes in him and then we bring players yeah. on because they never seem to do that managers do they anytime someone's tired they seem to give them like the rest at the beginning of the game hmm. more often than not than bring them on for the second half of the last 30 rather than play them for the first 60 or whatever and the, the five subs rule really plays it into our hands hmm. as well with the quality we've got we've seen in recent games it's why we can go out and batter teams 9-0 sometimes is we can go out there and blow teams away then we can bring players on but the players that we brought uh, started with this time just couldn't do that we we just looked slow, ponderous, despite having, what was it, since the most possession in the first half since 2012 or something. Mm. We barely created a, a chance of note. Keeper didn't have to make any saves. No, no. And that's not Celtic of this season. We can talk about the whole year, but the Celtic of this season domestically have been unbelievable. We'd only conceded one goal and that was from a set piece and it just felt like it was just a totally different team I, out there. I don't think, Stephen, this is a sign of things to come. You know, no, we need to no. sort of maintain perspective. We don't think that and is now all of a sudden a bad manager or he's forgotten how to manage. But all the ingredients, Ange talks about the system. I firmly believe in this system. This is the way to win football games. He played his system against Real Madrid. Yeah, He played yeah. his system against Shakhtar. He played his system against Rangers, but he doesn't play his system against St Mirren. Because did I think he did? I don't think he did. I think all the things that encapsulate the hard closing down, the power, the pace, the speed at which we play the game, that was all missing. I mean, there, there was... I don't know if that's a problem with the system or the players that are in the system I'd say I know but he picked them is the point I, th I don't well, think you yeah. could look at the Aaron Moy David Turnbull and Callum McGregor midfield and go right well they're going to be running about mental winning the ball back closing people down I just I just didn't I thought he sacrificed part of his style to accommodate players that hadn't played very often uh, I don't know yeah I, I do see where you're going with that mm. because yeah I think he ultimately has built this squad so mm. it's not really anyone else's fault if players can have to come into the team and can't replicate what has, has come mm. before them because that's what they're there to do ultimately they're, mm. they're part of the squad they're there when called upon we hope that they can do a job and they just didn't on occasion I don't want to be making like lasting judgments on any of these players no. I think I think individually every single name we mentioned tonight that didn't have a good game and there, there are a number of them, pretty much all of them, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, pretty much all of them. But if we focus mainly on the handful of guys who came into the team that we weren't expecting necessarily to all play, I don't think any one of them is as brutally exposed in that game if he was one of three changes rather than yeah, six. Yeah, I don't think Turnbull it. looks bad in that game if he's playing next to O'Reilly, mm. if he's playing next to Hattari, wh whatever the selection is. I don't think Abada looks as bad if Jota is on the pitch. I don't think Welsh looks as bad if Carter Vickers is on the pitch yeah. I just some of these were in four straight it's not anyone's fault that Carter Vickers and Starfield are not available just now but any one of these guys who didn't have a good game I don't think it is quite it's not quite as glaring if we'd only made three or four changes I don't yeah. think we wouldn't be sitting here talking about changes if that, if that wasn't the main thing that everyone can identify it's as being a lot the problem. isn't it I, it, yeah. it is a lot even in, at the time you, you think well it's a lot of changes but we had confidence in the team but in retrospect you're like geez. And the question does remain about, I mean, you, I know Carter Vickers was a forced change, Melly, but that change, that step down for Carter Vickers to Stephen Welsh seems quite high, even given Stephen Welsh's performance on the day. Yeah, he was, he was poor on the day, but and I, I kind of see people going, he's no good enough, right? Well, do we get four Carter Vickers? Because any be club nice. in the world would love that. <laughs> yeah. It's just not going to happen. We can't have like for like, like replacements. It's, Un unusual to have your two centre-halves out isn't it mm. Carter Vickers and Starfelt barely missed a game all last season since they started playing together and we've just had a bit of bad luck here but we're in with the big boys playing the big game so it's going to happen and look, Stephen Welsh I can't, that's one goal I can pin on him and go 
you should have been better there mm. in his career. Can you do that with any other goals? I mm. can't think of any off the top of my head. And look, no other player is going to look as good if they're not playing beside Cameron Carter-Vickers because he's the best defender in the league, mm. one of the best in Britain for me yeah. uh, currently for Celtic. So, See, just on that point before you finish, did we remove all the best players in the league from our team? Yeah, basically, that, all the, all, everyone we removed is apart from McGregor and Kyogo, they're all the best players in the league, really. Yeah, aren't pretty they? much, yeah. Yeah, because Carter Vickers would start Juranovic. every game, Juranovic, Aurelian uh, Hatati, so Jota, they're all class players. It's mm. just the fact that we took so many of them out has really cost us. Mm. The defence, Juranovic and Carter Vickers weren't involved at all, so you can say, right, that's fine. So if you're looking at maybe taking out your defence, a defence which has barely conceded a goal, a chance, never mind a goal. Keep your creative players on and get the game won so it's not that. But look, see, to be honest, I went in at the game, I maybe was a bit complacent in it because I looked at the team and thought, look, I'm, I'm excited to see all these guys because Celtic have been so good domestically. I thought, we'll blow them away. We went up to Ross County recently, made, what, nine or ten changes mm. and we did better than the first team did up there as well. So I think it is just a bad day at the office. I wouldn't be judging too many players on a one-off game but at the same time if any of these players that came in I wouldn't see them being able to complain if they don't get a game in the next few weeks because it, they had a chance and yeah. not one of them took it Melly mentioned the complacency thing Stephen but when you're looking at the likes of Aaron Moy for the goal it's, it's had difficult to think he wasn't a bit complacent there Aye well he just he didn't he didn't follow the man at all it's mm. quite it's quite Shocking actually watching it back. It's unforgivable in an Ange team. It yeah. is, and with a and guy that goes back to kind of what I said about Ange's style, it's just out the window. Yeah, with a guy of his mm. his level of experience as well. I know that he's never going to be any faster. That's never going to come. Mm. He's not going to get faster. It's not a case of see once he gets up to full speed, he'll be faster. It's not happening. Yeah. He, he is a slow footballer. <laughs> I, but don't, I don't think that was down to speed at all. That's, that's what the I mean. problem. So it? a guy of his experience yeah. is what I mean. Like mm. if he. He didn't notice that guy going at all until he was already 20 yards away from him and all of a sudden he just sort of trudges back towards his own box when it's far, far too late. A guy of his level of experience, and look, everybody's been a bit kind of, we've been up and down with Aaron Moy. I, I think the words we used, or one of the words we used when Aaron Moy signed was underwhelmed. I wasn't yeah. really that bothered, kind of lukewarm about the signing of Aaron Moy. But let's not make any mistake about this he played four or five seasons at the very top level whatever you think of them English mm. Premier League there's no denying it is the top level of football um, depending on your preferences it is the top level right? he's played at the top level um, for several years he should be better than that he should be better he should be more switched on I kind of what runners. I was saying about him a couple of weeks ago not just that particular moment but that's why I was kind of underwhelmed about Adrian Moy over the past couple of weeks and I mentioned I'm like because we know there's a, a good player yeah, in there. Yeah. we know Ange signed him for a reason we want to see it it's it's very clear with him as well his passing's great mm. I, I really like his passing it's lovely we're both feet as well and he just sort of effortlessly picks people out all across mm. the pitch but yeah, that's all very well and good, but we need to do the basics here, especially, like, it's not his fault. I can't, you can't single him out and say, aye, but we're missing our best centre-halves here, so you need to do better. It's not his fault, right? But that's more of a reason for me, if you're missing at least three of your first choice back four, if you want to call it that, that's, to me, a even more reason to look for stability elsewhere, a little bit of continuity, a little bit of consistency. Matt O'Reilly and Rio Hatati have been playing a lot recently, I just think, like, to, again, I'm not question, questioning Ange. He knows better than me. This is just the I think what, hindsight what, uh, of a fan we're looking no, at here. No, no, I think you're right to question the manager yeah. in this I think this oh, is I'm, one of the only yeah. occasions you are right to question the manager. I certainly am questioning mm. him, but I'm not saying, like, I know better. I'm, mm. I'm dealing with this with the benefit of hindsight, of course. But I just think that 
But with what we saw happening there, could they get another 90 minutes? Could they, another 60 minutes out of O'Reilly and Hatati? And Still early in the season. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a little bit a little bit disappointing there. I think uh, Stephen's right here. I think you can sort of put this in the manager. And look, I'm going to hold my hands up and say before the game, I thought we'd have strolled it because yeah, we were yeah, playing yeah, well. Yeah. I, I maybe overlooked it, but I didn't realise they'd been doing so well defensively. But when we're talking about O'Reilly and Hatati have played a lot, a lot recently, they have and they haven't. Right, because of this five sub rule, Turnbull and Moy have came on pretty much every game, mm-hmm. and it's usually those two yes, have went yeah. off. So they're doing 60, 70 minutes most games. They played during the week and both were subbed, and they hadn't played the previous weekend. I'm looking at that going, right, come on, it's the last game before the international break. Let's go out and get this one. On Aaron Moy, up until that goal, if that goal, I know it's a massive change in the game, but he's let a guy go once. Does that happen to everybody in a game and they sometimes don't get punished? He get punished for for it and it's been made aware of. But Adam Moy came on against Shakhtar the other night. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was yeah. great. I've not had any complaints about him. So I'm not going to judge him or change my judgment on him because one time in a game he let a guy go. He seen he done it and he tried to get back and it wasn't good enough from him. But every single player will do that at some point this season. They'll not get maybe not get punished for it but he d- he did and unfortunately for him it's on him see the the one thing I'd say in rebuttal to the the midfield and the, the kind of midfield dynamic and the subs the use of subs I think it's it's less about the minutes played by O'Reilly and Hatati and more the nature of what they're doing yeah. I, I think there's a certain element of being told you know give me 60-65 minutes of your absolute best and then you're coming off David yeah. Turnbull and, Ma- and Moyer going on so I think it's probably the more I maybe put that the wrong way. It's more the intensity of what they're playing rather Calories than calories burned. How would you measure? How would you measure <laughs> yeah, that? You yeah, know? exactly. So it's it's maybe the intensity rather than just time served in terms of minutes. I think you're right there, and I think it's the it's the main reason why we all looked at Aaron Moy. Went, I'm not quite getting this here. Yes, he's come in and he's played a bit deeper than maybe we expected at first, but we we're Frogic leaving. We thought, right, who are we going to get in here? Mm. And it was him. And you're like, yeah, that's a completely different player. That's fair enough. But if Ange with Rogic where he was going or staying you're looking at him going it doesn't quite fit the way Ange wants to play maybe long term and when Matt Moy came in well, he's not going to be running about mm. pressing is he so to bring him in then and now we see like okay the thing with O'Reilly and Hitati is they absolutely press they're pressing yeah. monsters uh, O'Reilly was great at it against Shakhtar and right you're taking that out and we've seen like just just didn't work did it See, when, on the changes, I know we probably we all agree that there's been too many changes. <laughs> yeah. However, let me maybe suggest another. I feel that seeing how the game was panning out, I thought maybe it would have been a game for Yakimakis. You know, a wee bit more route one, a wee bit more rudimentary. He can cause more problems in the box, a bit like Curtis Main was causing for us. Uh, I'm not sure. Look, I think both Celtic strikers feed off service. Mm. And while, yes, it's a bit easier to clip balls into Yakimakis, he had a point point blank header that he missed yeah, you've got true. to bury yeah. that and against Shakhtar he mm-hmm. missed one that he had to bury I can look at him as well as Maeda and go you're missing clear cut chances but we love Jack Amakis so he's maybe not getting the, the stick that he is the whole point about Celtic strikers is sometimes they don't stay in the game a lot like they don't get involved in the game a lot they finish off the chances Celtic didn't create anything even yeah. when we brought on players we barely created them we had the header from uh, Jack Amakis and what else did Carson have to save? A long range one from Greg Taylor. Absolutely nothing. So I don't think, mate, hindsight, there's a lot of hindsight here, but changing the strikers up, yes, we would have been able to hit them earlier, but 
the two wide players weren't creating and the two midfielders behind weren't creating. So what difference is it making? Just a, a thing I forgot to mention on the midfield as well is this is why the whole bringing in a solid defensive midfielder at the start of the season, I was kind of against it mm. because take Cal McGregor out. Why did Celtic look so slow and ponderous on the ball? Because he's not in the base of yeah. midfield for yeah. me dictating. And however good he is a bit further forward, He's always there for me, mm. especially in these games because Cal McGregor's got the desire, he's got the energy to be in that position, but also to make it right up the park. So if the ball drops, he's there. When you take him out, you don't have that energy in between the boxes. And when Moy back there, he's maybe a bit for a step or two further back. Cal McGregor in there against these teams that sit in has everything. And Moy being there, I don't think he's needed against bottom six teams in these games. It's like coming on against them when we've got the game won. So I think a huge thing was taking Cal McGregor out the base of midfield as well because he starts to everything off. Melly's touched a lot on, you know, this thing before the international break. And while you're right, you know, we've got, they sort of took the eye off the ball. The most frustrating thing for me is the fact that our last fixture was against Rangers and we went and battered them. We got that, we made that cushion for ourselves, Stephen, in the very next picture, we just give them the points back. There's always a an extra bit of disappointment due to the timing of that. Mm. Now, it, it's the same thing. See if we'd gone six games and then dropped the points. It, it's effect, it effectively, mathematically makes no difference. Yeah, yes. Effectively the same thing. However, it's that psychological mm. thing, isn't it? It's just, it's getting right back on the horse and we've been joking about that's it. That's the game postponed as well. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, they'll, that's, take, they'll probably take more comfort from it than we will disappointment. Oh, do you know uh, what I mean? They'll be like, oh, fantastic. Save Gio's job Aye, and, and with that result, yeah. basically. Good. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. a major pressure coming on him and Celtic have gone and gone and shit the nest, mm. as it were. So I, I get very, very, very disappointing. And there is that that psychological advantage. Not, I mean, advantage seems strong because we're still top of the league. But they they've seen that weakness, and it's up yeah. to them to kind of put the pressure on Celtic now. Whereas apparently, Gio was asked for it, asked about it before that they played Dundee United about how he thinks the league's going to go, and he says, "Well, anything can happen." And, and he's and he's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, we we were sort of saying on this podcast, the next time they'll get the opportunity to maybe make those points up is in the new year. You know, we were already looking down the down the road, and then we go, and, as Stephen says, Melly. Shit the nest. <laughs> yeah, but see, to be fair, you looked at Celtic and thought, wait, where's this going to come from? Because that mm. seemed to come out of absolutely nowhere. And yeah. while we can go, right, okay, how do Rangers replicate that? I don't think St Mirren done anything that any teams can go, oh, we'll need to do that. Mm. It, it was a real off day for Celtic and not just Celtic, every player that started and every player that came on, even guys like Haksabanovic was getting involved with stuff with fans and then getting involved Ball with St Mirren. Mm. Uh, uh, Ball boy, sorry, yeah. I getting involved with players. It was just a frustrating day for Celtic where nothing came off. I can't remember any passage of play where we were popping it about and thought, this is good. It was just... Slow, ponderous, nothing comes any anything when we get up front. There was nothing that Samirin I thought done that we could go right do that. Mm. Apart from what, stick two big strikers on a two defenders that aren't a first choice. How many times is that going to happen that we get three or back, four out, Jota not playing Matt O'Reilly and Hattati not starting? Very few times and well, after I suppose this game, that's in the manager's kid not to make to make sure that yeah. doesn't happen aye, again. Aye. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Manscaped product alert You asked for it and they listened Our friends at Manscaped just brought the ultra smooth package to Europe Everyone knows by now that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric shaver for your balls But if you're looking for a closer shave or prefer to go completely bare down there <laughs> Off-putting <laughs> Then the ultra smooth package is the perfect set It's time to shave that bush of yours Off-putting again And get right to the roots by going to manscaped.com For 20% off and free shipping with the code Tim's. That's right, Jamie. The Ultra Smooth Package is a specialised groin shaving kit yep, to help you buff, protect and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking crop shaver razor, crop exfoliator and crop gel. Men, you no longer have to borrow your ladies razor for that precise trim. It's time to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job, the Ultra Smooth Package from Manscaped. It's just a ball sack trimmer, Jamie. Yes, it is, Stephen. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code TIMS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TIMS at manscaped.com. Smooth out your fellas with the new ultra-smooth package, really off-putting, from the fellas at Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. You mentioned Stephen Welsh, Melly. See, when that second goal went in, I looked at him, I thought, he looked as if he dived. He looked as if he'd acknowledged that he'd maybe made a mess or he was getting beaten to the ball and he just hit the deck. Felt the contact. Yeah, mm-hmm. hit the yeah. deck, looking, hoping the ref would pull it up instead of battling and winning the ball. And I just, that was quite disappointing to see. Yeah, well, I, I'll uh, take Welsh on and go that that was poor. You need mm-hmm. to be strong enough. But I'll also have a massive go at Moritz Jens, who got absolutely out jumped by yes. Curtis Main. Pathetic from the two of them for that goal. Celtic haven't conceded many goals this mm-hmm. season in the league. That's two out of three have been from set pieces. That was just a long flighted throw in. Jens gets outdone by, well, comes back out, it sort of breaks mm. out again. Jens gets outdone by Main and Welsh gets outdone at the back post. And it's just, you need to be stronger than that. There's nothing that a manager or MD can do. Not 
uh, you need to have more strength and desire than that if you're going to go and win these games because that's what you're going to come up up against in this league. The thing is, Stephen, for the last couple of weeks, I've sort of been thinking to myself that Starf felt probably shades it over Jens a wee bit. Who do you think's the better of the two? Do you think that's answered any questions no, for you th- that I game? I think it's definitely Starfelt. Uh, I think uh, without a doubt, I think Starfelt's had these moments, but he's never been quite so quite so dodgy as Jens has appeared. Mm. Dodgy is, is strong, but further to what Melly's just said about the goals we've conceded in the league, we've conceded four domestic goals all season. Mm. Four of them headers, and three of them were with Jens being completely out muscled. Mm. Don't, don't concede that that's like quite that's, damning when you when you lay it out like that. Stats fans, that's seventy five percent of the goals <laughs> conceded so far this season. I know that's a very small sample, but there's a pattern emerging in that Jens isn't quite the. Oh, it is a small sample, but it is. All, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, a small sample where it's all pointing at all the st- all the strings are pointing at the same guy here, <laughs> where it's like on the on the blackboard or mm. one of those kind of conspiracy. Th- <laughs> if this was an FBI investigation, or Jens is writing this, all the red right strings <laughs> got <it> Jens. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just think he's not quite. He's, he's been absolutely fine. I think he's mm. decent on the ball, and he's he's been all right. Uh, got a couple of goals, but I think he's, um, I think he's not quite the big dominant powerful centre-half mm. that was probably sold to us. I don't think he's quite what it, what it said on the tin. I think he's I think he's all right, but I think Starfield was definitely the the number one defender for, well, beside Carter Vickers, that is, because he's clearly number one. But I think Starfield has been a, a big miss. It's maybe one of those things, like, kind of careful what you wish for. Everyone's yeah. saying Starfield can be, or not everyone, but people say Starfield can be improved upon. We need a big dominant centre-half. We've kind of got one and it's gone slightly worse in terms of their, their physical, you know, the opposite of dominance, whatever that is. <laughs> for all uh, Starfield's faults that are maybe highlighted, it's never his defending for me. No, no. It's never his no. defending. Mm. He's percentage aerial duels one and all that is pretty incredible, actually. It's, he's really good at that and he seems to clear everything and hadn't, we have highlighted Jens getting out jump, but I hadn't quite when you put it into that context when all the domestic goals and three out of the four he's been really at fault for mm-hmm. or out jumped or out muscled, you go, right, well, in Scotland, that's what you're up against. Well, mate. that's and how everyone's going to try and get goals against yeah, us, isn't yeah. it? That's the number it's the only one way you have so far, isn't it? It's not the number one way we're in. You know, if Stephen's stats are correct, which we've not checked, <laughs> no, Stephen. Uh, Let us know in the comments. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> sure you will. You know, if that if that was to if, if that is if he's persistently at fault for the number one type of goal that people are going to try and score against us, I and know. they're doing it more often than not, then it's definitely something that's going to need addressed. Well, further to Maurice Jens, he's been quite popular so far because he seems like a quite a big personality. He's a nice guy. Melly, you went asked him a couple of questions at his sort of welcoming uh, press thing, mm. right? And came away quite impressed with him. So we've all quite taken to him but I think it's important when you're looking back at a result of that not to create or certainly not to let the the big players away with it basically yeah. don't create sacred cows in the squad because mm. Kyogo was rubbish as well no. and Jens it, it wasn't good and I'm left thinking that see if Julian or Christopher Ayer or something like that had put in a performance like that he'd be absolutely hammered for it so I'm not saying Jens is a bad player but I'm just saying look we need to kind of we need to be fair on guys like Turnbull and the kind of softer targets in the squad that all Maeda, mm. Abada, guys who they get it all the time. Yeah, guys who get it all the time, who were culpable for it, but were so sober more some of the more popular players. Yeah, I think because Jens is this big guy, it's maybe just oh he'll not get out muscled. Yet yeah. all the goals have been his fault pretty much in that game. And I think if it was Stephen Welsh that was in that position, people well, Stephen Welsh is getting more attention about these goals than Moritz Jens is and yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that's fair again it's maybe the 
homegrown or Scottish player that gets more stick for these kind of games than is Jens because he's a bit more fancied. And like, if you're looking at Jens, like Stephen's just had it home there because. Well, it's. Sorry, I was about to say, it's honeymoon period, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The perception of Stephen Welsh is that he has to prove himself to be good. So every mistake he makes, you think, ah, he's probably not that good. Whereas when a new guy comes in, the perception is, well, he's already good. There's yeah, no yeah, proving yeah. to be done. Oh, that must be a mistake. And it takes a wee while to erode that reputation. Yeah. He arrives already being good, whereas Stephen Welsh has to prove himself yeah, to be good. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, Stephen Welsh, he started the first game, he started the Ross County game, and then he's not been in since. Mm. He went off in the Ross County game, I believe. Uh, so, like, this guy's been flung in, just go out and perform. And, like, he has to do that. That's he's, His role is fourth-choice centre-half. Moritz Jens has played every game pretty much recently and you're starting to look at him because we had Shakhtar scouted recently and our scout Alex said, look, just be careful in this game. If if you had Starfield fit, I'd play him over Jens because how slow he looks on the turn. Mm. And that that's a neutral looking at him as well. So yes, he is this big fancy new centre-half, but serious questions are hanging over him now. Do you think um, the, the kit clash? <laughs> it's been a while since they've had, had a kit clash. Celtic wore that kit, which by the way is a belter. The third uh, yeah, kit. Okay, That's the yeah. first time we've worn it, at least domestically anyway. And it was the same, was it the same colour socks and shorts? Shorts uh, were both black, eh? Aye, and I think the socks may have been socks the same. Socks were different. Well, socks they, were the different, socks yeah. were different and the tops were sort of, they were different but similar. And I had a wee look on the um, SPFL road. There's no... You think there would be set rules about what kits you could wear, so you know they think there'd be rules like socks must be different, shorts must be, but it's not. The referee just gets told what kit's going to be worn a week before the game, and then he decides right. whether or not he's happy with it. The only thing that has to be different is the goalkeeper's strip has to be significantly different from the outfield player strips. Yeah. That's the only kit rules that really exist. Uh, I get, would it have to happen again that? Way to get another new free strips and need to use one from last season, like we did last season. We're getting free new kits and we had to wear the black one yeah. against Hibs because there was no kit we've got this season that really didn't quite clash. No. I know clash isn't the right word to use, but because the other one's mostly black, and with the, the black and, and green. we never we never wear, we wear the hoops up at uh, in Paisley, do we? So no. looking at it again, going, you've got one job, man. <laughs> yeah, sort yeah. out the kit. Did you know the thing I think it is, and you you kind of touched on it when we were we were before we started recording, right? It's not on the pitch. It's probably fine. Yeah. But yeah. again, it plays into this football spectacle thing that that so. From Sky Sports' point of view, they were more concerned with muting the crowd um, <laughs> than they were about making sure that the people at home could actually tell the difference between the two strips. There's obviously no communication between the, the director of the match or the Sky or Sky's people and the and the referee. The referee goes, "Ah, the strips look fine to me. I can tell the difference." Even the shorts would have made a difference because there is a grey short with that that kit. Mm. You know, I've, I've seen the, it's, it would have been all the one colour, but they would been grey into grey, which it doesn't oh, right. look quite as good. But there is a grey oh, short that? available with that that kit. So was that the, certain. was that? So were we wearing the third? We weren't wearing the the way shorts, were we? No, the, no. the black shorts for no, the no, no, kit. No, it was just black shorts. But I think I'm almost certain there's a grey shorts available with that that kit as well, just an alternative one. But the I I think the camera angle on the, the mm. pitch under these smaller stadiums as well doesn't help because we only really get that one and it's straight, straight down the halfway line yeah. it just kind of swings from side to side on the other side of the pitch it really was you had to wait until a player turned face on to the camera to for you to be able to tell what strip he was wearing it was it was really quite I, I don't imagine it was quite as pronounced on the pitch I think, yeah. I think Mel is right I don't think they would have gotten they would have been passing to each other 
Although I'd love to be able to give them that excuse. <laughs> yes. The old Man United in the 90s one, remember the grey that blended into the stadium thing? They, they changed they at half time. <laughs> I'd love to be able to give them that, but I don't think it would have been as bad on the pitch. But it didn't make for a particularly great watch, that's for sure. Um, we have almost reached uh, the end of the week of state-sanctioned grieving. Um, <sighs> and there was a protest at the game. And honestly, it's one of these things now, Stephen, where I am, I almost don't have an opinion of my own on it because I'm so genuinely exhausted with every spicy hot take about who's doing what who's not doing what what shops should be open what shops should be closed should football be should football are you allowed to protest should you not be allowed to protest and then the the Shakhtar sign right the the, the the display in the Shakhtar game which happened in Poland in a foreign country out with the UK everybody that you hate um, from Piers Morgan to Jeremy Kyle to people that you'd forgotten about they Farage were all, uh, all Nigel Farage they were all having a spew on Twitter about it and I thought this is great all the right people are annoyed <laughs> we're definitely doing the right thing here and then it comes to St Mirren and do you know what it doesn't matter as you said Stephen again off air it doesn't matter what your persuasion is whether you're into kings and queens and royalty or all that sort of stuff that was witty oh it was funny that was very witty I've got you there haven't yeah. I because you, you if you were standing there solemnly just about to applaud for the passing of the mm. Queen well strange strange tribute that yeah. you, you're about to clap your mm. hands and they start singing if you hate the royal family clap your hands you'll just be left looking at your hands saying clever girl <laughs> <laughs> clever girl you, you got me there absolute belter but uh, yeah I'm truly exhausted with this stuff I think it's incredibly tedious but what I said I think that was just last week I think I said look if you're if your thing that you're forcing on people is so Politically and socially contentious, maybe have a think about forcing people to mm. to respect it and to recognise it. I would even go as far now that I've seen all this stuff. I would even go as far to say that forcing minutes silences or applause or any kind of tribute to things like this is ridiculous in football. Yes. I, I don't think it belongs there at all. See, see if you want or if you have an important former player for your team who has died, that's an appropriate use of a minute silence or applause at your stadium. If it's someone who means something to the club, who who a supporter, whatever it is, right, take each case on its merits. But the minute you start forcing people to do this Precisely. is when it becomes completely ridiculous. Don't do it. Don't force people to do things if you don't want to see the reaction that that it because may well provoke. I, I think it's I think it's nonsense. Don't put people into a position where you know you know they're going to react badly to it. Whatever you think about it, whatever you think that one of the overwhelming replies. Because I tweeted about it. Mm. I'm not going to talk about it here. You can go and find it, and find it on Twitter. <laughs> but I basically just I basically just summed it up by saying, look, that several clubs have voiced their their opinion on this now. It's not just Celtic. We don't want this. Mm. Football fans, we don't want it in the country. Some do. Some definitely do. <laughs> um, but we don't want this. Stop forcing us to do this. And I, th- I think that's I think that's a perfectly you know, fair thing to say. Stop making people respect things that they don't want to respect. Why football? I don't see the correlation at all. Exactly what I said last week. It's an aged thing, isn't it? It's like, at one point, you know, a football stadium deciding to stay silent for to respect somebody or something was considered poignant and and powerful and impactful and interesting. But the minute you you force it upon people, as you're saying, it loses all meaning. You will be quiet. You will... Well, hold on. I mean we need to acknowledge that that was St Mirren Stadium and maybe that's something they wanted to do yeah, maybe the yeah. St Mirren fans got together and went we want to do this that's fine but there's no obligation for the Celtic fans to do it and another thing that does my head in right 
you see it all the time and you know we don't want to get too high horsey because we, we, we personally we talk about this right but we hate it when other podcasts and other people and not not football or Celtic podcasts but off brand just get all high horsey and start talking about things Aye. that don't really fall within their purview right but this has been spoken about a lot the thing that annoys me is this well you know there is a time protest but you know not now no the whole point of a protest <laughs> is to disrupt and get eyes on yeah. things if you're Aye. saying the whole do it but not now it completely you could say that about every protest that took place at every time ever so that for me that doesn't hold any water at all when maximum eyes are on it and you want to make maximum impact that's when you protest you don't go I really don't agree with this thing but you know what I'll leave it the now because a lot of people are paying attention to it that argument doesn't make sense either no and I think it's it kind of plays into why the games were cancelled last week in Scotland mm. because they thought oh Celtic away, boo, a minute silence. Yeah. Well, Celtic were the last game and I didn't really hear a game in Scotland that wasn't the uh, minute silence was inter- wasn't interrupted. So maybe it's not a Celtic thing that's no wanting this. Yeah. Maybe it's a Scottish, mainly Scottish thing and mainly a working class thing that we don't want to be forced to do things we don't want to do. Why respect something we don't respect and we feel doesn't respect us? So and, don't make us do it. And, and on top of that as well, it's like the minute you force people to do it the minute it's you must respect this you will do this well we no we don't want to and 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 it's not something as you say Millie, that's had a particular regard for for anyone else do you know what I mean it's just decided upon is that we're all going to we're all it's state sanctioned you're all going to be sorry you're all going to be sad and you're all going to clap and you think the minute you start forcing people to do that it's going to backfire and the thing is I, I don't even want to take anything away from anyone else mm-hmm. I'm not taking away the right for you to mourn and respect anything you want mm-hmm. that's a deeply personal thing if you feel mm-hmm. grief over any event take your pick but this it just so happens this is a big one right if you feel grief if you feel sad over that you do whatever you like. It's a it's a personal thing, as you keep saying. As we've all said, the minute you try and enforce that on everybody else, it becomes a complete farce because it's too it's too hot a topic. This oh she's just a grandmother stuff rubbish mm. uh, rubbish it's what, it's what all of that represents it's what all of it represents yeah. see the, the banner which I won't repeat in case we get pulled off YouTube as a mm. result right there was a there was a contentious banner at the Shakhtar game which mm. we've already mentioned that is a that's. A, a direct challenge, a direct insult to the symbol of that institution. It yeah. wasn't about any individual yeah, person. No. It was about the whole thing. It was deeply impersonal. Yes, yeah, <laughs> completely was, the opposite of personal. It yeah. was deeply impersonal. And see if you love Britain and you love the UK and you, you're all for whatever the UK is. One of the things that we live in is is a healthy democracy, right? Yeah. And seeing, seeing an effect, you should be very, very pleased that there are people in this country who will protest the royal family when their royal family are, are, are the focus of attention. You should be so happy that that's the country that you live in, that this sort of thing's allowed. Yeah. There should be no line for it because, by God, as, as your tweet alluded to, or another tweet, by God, these people fight for free speech. This is their big thing. This is everyone's yeah. big thing. But the minute people go against the one thing you don't like, or oh, shut it down, you can't have that. And and uh, just a final note, that, as you said, Melly, protests up and down the, the country were disrupted by football fans who made their voices perfectly clear that they don't want to be part of this and they made their thoughts known on it. And they should be allowed to. And if it upsets people, then you're a snowflake to, to coin a term, right? <laughs> um, but I thought the perfect bookend to the whole weekend was the Dundee United statement. Oh, <laughs> oh I love this. <laughs> it, was, it was almost 
offensive and how perfunctory Aye. it was. It was more or less, uh, we told the fans to be a minute silence before the game and what would be happening about it. I saw a brilliant tweet about it. I can't remember who it was, so forgive me for not crediting, but it, they said... Credits that, his own tweets, uh, but he <laughs> yeah. else, is he? Said that statement was the equivalent of replying to a text with a big thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> so that's that's enough on that. Shakhtar Donetsk, Melly. How did we not win that game? Taking chances again, we're mm. looking at the players, Maeda and Giacomakis, we've got to be taking these chances, but as you said, look, Celtic played great, It was, but at the end of the day, we came away with this, right, we want to go into this and feel that we compete, we went into the game, did compete, should have done better, and you're still coming out of it a bit, ah, aye, but compete, but win please. Yeah, aye. And look, look it, it, it was a good result if you obviously if you handed it before the game, but that's not how football's played. Nobody's going to go into Ange Postacoglu and say, "I'll give you a one each right now." So I'd say anyway. Well, there's a game there to be won. I'd rather yeah. try and win it, and that's what Celtic went to do. Did everything right. I thought the intensity, the press, the passing was all great. We made Shakhtar look very ordinary, and we should have beat them, but. We didn't do that one thing, which was put the ball in the back of the net when we were on top and when we had the chances in that first half when we were on top. Jens had a great chance, didn't score it, and then they went up the pitch. The second half, I thought the first half were good, tailed off a bit towards the end. Second half were better, and we just didn't finish our chances. And you're looking at it, the Maeda ones and Jackie ones, they're guilt-edge chances mm. that nothing the manager or any sort of thing can do just quite simply have to score them. There's no other way about it. You can't say, ah, we should have created more chances yeah. here and there. They are chances put on a plate for you inside the 18-yard box where you don't have somebody in front of you apart from a goalkeeper. I think looking at it, Akimakis is probably worse for me because he's a yeah. bit more time. And it's just that, just finish them and we win this game. Stephen, you and I spoke about this game. We've actually reacted to this game twice already on Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash 20 minute times. And that's the sort of thing we do. We have in-depth reactions immediately after the match to every single game. And we've got one of those on the Shakhtar game. And we do the Breakfast of Champions podcast, which drops midweek. It's like a mini flagship. We catch all the news and goings on that happens at Celtic throughout the week that we can't catch on the flagship. That's available on patreon.com slash 20 minute times and you and I had a right good chin wag um, <laughs> following the Shakhtar game Melly <laughs> Mel reacted it and you and I had a right good chin wag after it and we sort of agreed that that should be that, that's the level we should that's the level we should be competing at the yeah. whole object for me in this European adventure that we're on at the moment is to gauge where do we sit how good really is this Celtic team I want us to break out of the SPFL well I was I was about to say because we're too good for that and, you know, <laughs> what, what are we can to what are we can to say that but Real Madrid clearly too good but we had chances we were, we yeah, were yeah. competing the Shakhtar game we dominated them for the first 20 minutes Shakhtar got back into the game which you would expect because they've got some good players they're a solid team but, I, you know, before I thought it would be a draw, I thought it would be a draw, but having seen the 90 minutes play out, I was disappointed. I, I think it's I think it's okay to have these different emotions about that game, with mm. everything we've already spoken about as well. I think it's okay to, on one hand, acknowledge how well we're doing for a effectively a brand new team in the Champions League. I know the club has a history with the Champions League, but none of these players do, right? And mm. none of and the, the manager certainly doesn't. I think it's okay to acknowledge how far we've come in that short space of time the year that Angie's been here and acknowledge as well that two years ago, three years ago, we couldn't have done this. We couldn't have like gone and played, gone and taken the game to a team like Real Madrid and gone away to a difficult place to go, albeit a neutral venue, but still a difficult team to play against and really go at them and come away disappointed with the result. I think it's okay to do all of that stuff 
and at the same time say, we should have won that game. Yeah. And that is ultimately a disappointment. The disappointment, again, kind of strengthens all the other stuff I've said on the other hand. To be disappointed with an away draw in the Champions League is a sign of progress, but at the same time, should have won the game. There's no doubt about it. The chances created in that game, I think, were enough to have absolutely gubbed them. And I don't know that's mm. not how football necessarily works, but it was a bit deflating after the game. So, yes, going into the game, an away draw in the Champions League, nothing to be sneezed at, but at the same time, Celtic should have won that. Are you worried about the? Are you worried about how the group might unfold? Having seen that, because I think if we're going to, I personally think if we're going to get out of this group, we probably need to pick up some points away from home. And hey. I don't see us doing it in the Bernabeu really, mm-hmm. realistically. And Leipzig will be quite tricky as well. No, I always maintained that it was going to be these four games in between that Celtic mm-hmm. had to pick up points. And I think I said last week, four points from Shakhtar and four points from Leipzig would see us through. Mm-hmm. We've got one. And one, you would say, win your two home games, draw the two away. Mm-hmm. And I was going into this game thinking, get a away draw here, that'll be decent. But now I've seen it, I thought, if we don't go through, that'll be the game that, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. that we really rue. And like, there's nothing we can do about that, unfortunately, because I can't ask any more of the performance. No. I can't ask much more of the players. We just had to finish the chances. And look, there were good guilt edge chances of, from guys who can score big goals that just didn't do it for us and it's it's hard to be harsh on players because look this is them learning on the job as well it is a big level and I can't just go to the, an individual player and say see next time score that how, <laughs> yeah, how do you it? change how do you go those, and change those that those coaching badges going to give yourself <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the whole thing like, I, I don't know what we can do just mm. to simply solve this apart from it's always be more clinical Right, how do you do that? Because those players were in the position, they got shots away, they just didn't finish right. them and there's nothing, you can't recreate that in training, you can't re- they have to learn while they're doing it that, right, I need to be better here. How do I be better? I think it comes down to confidence for me, I think, especially a player like Jota, I think, I think he's maybe, he's maybe just panicking a wee bit about being on this massive stage that I thought he was drifting in and out the Real Madrid game and I know we've discussed this and people says, well, it's Real Madrid, but I meant the stuff that Real Madrid didn't really influence, they weren't like nicking and taking the ball off him and all that. He wasn't getting bullied by the fullbacks. This game as well, I just think, uh, and then there was a couple of examples where he was like holding on to the ball just too long. I think I think he's just, he just needs to, I just want to say to Jota, imagine you're playing Rangers. Like, he, because see when they're playing Rangers and we're scoring against Rangers, we always look so happy, so confident. Yeah. Like, this is great and we're loving every minute of it. But we're getting at these games, we're like, oh, there's a bit of nervousness. We're holding on to the ball too long. We're, and and it's the same with Yakimakis his shot he's like shooting when he's slightly off balance whereas if that's Rangers he's like I need to bother you Goldson you know what I mean it's they just need to get that bravado and that confidence does Ange have to do the old Alex Ferguson thing the one lads at Spurs so I think, yeah. just imagine Rangers he needs, just do you know what he needs to do there. he needs to walk into the changing room he needs to open the door and go go out on you go get out <laughs> can't handle it <laughs> open the door for you you know and see who can he take uh, it I think you're right there uh, something I meant to mention I think the whole thing about this team is they haven't done it at that level yet and yeah. I think once we get that victory once we get that winning goal everybody will know what it feels like what it feels like in the moment and that's it whereas right now nobody knows what it's like we've got our first goal in the Champions League group stage and we couldn't quite get another one I think once we get that winning goal where a team goes out there and does it, they can all, because a lot of players and a lot of psychology about it is, can imagine beating Rangers because they've mm. all went out and done it. Whereas in these games, they haven't done it. So I think once we get that first win, 
it'll be fine for these players. I think they'll feel, right, we've arrived. We've played well in these games, but we've not got the result. Once you get a result, I think it changes everything. It changes the whole mindset. I think it's just the one wee psychological bit that's missing. I don't think Ange, Stephen, would be happy just to be there, happy just to make not the numbers, happy for the plaudits after Real Madrid, happy for the plaudits after Shakhtar Donetsk. Sorry, can I just jump in here? Certainly can. Uh, sorry, Stephen. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> told me that they'd spoken to some a father of a player mm. and the players had a day off after Real Madrid came in to do the analysis and Ange asked the players what they thought, how they got on. A couple of the players, including Cal McGregor, thought they'd done well and Ange basically done that. He said, get out. If you think they said if that if you think that's good enough and that's a standard, you can take your boots and go because that's not what I want. I want to be a Champions League team that wins games, not as happy to compete for forty five minutes. So mm. he's not happy about the Real Madrid resu- result, some of the performance maybe, and maybe he's looking for the standards to climb a bit. Well, he's taken unfancied teams into big competitions oh, before. Mm. He took Australia to the World Cup, of course, and took uh, took them to win the Asia Cup. So. Mm. The, the World Cup is probably a more a more accurate comparison yeah. here if they are, if Australia are going into a, a group of Chile and Netherlands and all that. Yeah, like, yeah they, they had a really tough group uh, one year. There's absolutely no way he was going into that thinking, no. right, lads, we're here for a stag do. We, we made it, we qualified, <laughs> yeah. just go out and have fun. There's not a chance that his attitudes would ever have anything other than to win these games. Might not always do it, of course, mm. but the, I think we can forget the... I will, we've got to the Champions League it's all about the money and all that sort of stuff and I think the frustration for me would be and what I don't really want is you know I don't want us to have one of these campaigns where we're like ah that was good that was good we played the good football we we, we went toe to toe with these teams but ultimately we're bottom of the group you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. ultimately we're sort of undone by these as you say like missing the chat all the things you can to really help yeah we've had that under Brendan Rodgers we get two mm. draws against Man City and finish bottom of the group and mm. that was us out out in our arse so you can see why uh, what to do better because you, you want to win these games that was a winnable game having seen it now and you're thinking right we can beat Shakhtar at home but the Leipzig game we might need be to com- beat Shakhtar at home yeah and the Leipzig game might be completely different than going into the Shakhtar game now it is must win whereas if we had won that game you can go right this is Champions League we might get games where we turn up and we're just not quite at it and we get a draw we were at it and got a draw there mm. and it might be costly and on that we shall wrap up thanks to everyone who watches if you watch us on YouTube please subscribe please get involved in the comments below if you want to hear more from us patreon.com slash 20 minute tims that was a fun one eh that, that was, was that a good was, one lads that was really good Motherwell next Celtic if you win we'll be able to talk about some wins thanks for watching and listening 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.